Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 169. Lots going on in the college game right now. Lots of mojo falling around. Congrats to Patrick Welch from Oklahoma for winning the individual title at the East Lake Cup. And today, October 28th, Oklahoma and Pepperdine will face off in the championship. Both coaches, Hibble from OU and Beard from Pepperdine, have been on the podcast. Many players from both teams have been on the podcast as well. Mal, Verzich, Cummins. So pay attention to college golf right now because these are the future stars. They're playing some phenomenal golf right now. And go check out some of those past episodes with those Oklahoma and Pepperdine stars. You can find them all at thebackoftherange.com. And before we move on, special congrats to Julian Perico from Arkansas. You know, I had some time with him at the U.S. Amateur. He's always following the back of the range on Instagram. I just recorded his episode last week. And you know the rules. Once you're recorded, the mojo is activated. And Julian just won the individual title at the Vanderbilt Legends Collegiate. He shot 64, 66, 69 to win by one over John Augenstein. You'll hear his full story in a couple weeks. Definitely an entertaining one, so stay tuned for that. My guest on this episode is arguably the greatest mid-amateur over the last two decades. He's Nathan Smith from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Now, I know that you all, including myself, would like to have Tiger or Phil or Ricky or Rory on the podcast someday. It might happen. Hey, I've, I've had Jack Nicklaus as a guest, so anything is possible. But the most requested guest from the amateur ranks has been Nathan Smith, and with very good reason. He's the youngest U.S. mid-amateur champion in history, and that was just the beginning because he's also won the most U.S. mid-amateurs in history with four. He's played on three Walker Cup teams, all as a mid-amateur, and his final match as a player in 2013, that final win, was the clincher for the Americans at National Golf Links. He's won the West Penn Amateur four consecutive times. He's won the Pennsylvania Amateur twice, the Sunny Hannah. You get the picture. My conversation with Nathan was a lot of fun, but also incredibly eye-opening. When you get right down to it, he's just an incredibly humble guy that just became the most dominant mid-am over the last 20 years. We talked about his Walker Cup captains, his teammates like Bud Cauley, Ricky Fowler, and Peter Uline. We also spoke about those four appearances in the Masters, and he also shared some thoughts on the amateur game and how he was able to prepare himself for tournaments. Just a little bit of housekeeping to share with you before we get started. I'm going to be out of town this weekend, heading to Lawrence, Kansas to attend my cousin's wedding on Halloween. Yes, my family's a bit weird, but I'm okay with that, and you should be too. But after that, I'll be heading from Kansas down to Texas, where I'll be capturing the sights and sounds from the inaugural East-West matches. I spoke about it in the previous episode. You're going to see a lot more of it next week. So I've said it many times, but this is really a good time to make sure you're following along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 40 of the best amateurs in the country will be there. Amazingly, over half have already been guests on the podcast. You know I'll be lining up more great guests after next week, so stay tuned. 
So let's get to this long-awaited episode. My guest is Nathan Smith. Nathan, welcome to the Back of the Range. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Been trying to locate you and and get you uh, on this podcast because uh, you know you've done a couple things here and there in amateur golf. There have been several requests by my listeners to get this Nathan Smith guy on. So um, glad we could make this happen. Um, how is your game? What are you doing right now? I know it's been an odd summer of trying to play and then tournaments getting canceled, but give me the state of your game and and your involvement right now. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I finally made it. I'm honored to be on your show. But, pulled some uh, strings. Pulled some strings. That's you. You did. You did. It was. It was great. So I finally. I finally made it. But um, yeah, strange year. I hope everybody's safe. You know, it's just. It was. It was a strangest year because it was the nicest weather year I could ever uh, remember in Pittsburgh. It was the mildest winter, and all of a sudden you know, you're ready to go and then you're chipping in your backyard for two months. You know, everything's closed and, um, you know, but yeah, still played some state local events and uh, a lot of the national stuff was canceled, but you know, the game's good. The game's sharp. Um, as you, as you said, you know, the East uh, West match is coming up and everything. And, uh, but it's good trying to, trying to keep it sharp. And I, I feel pretty good about it. I mean, maybe I should, uh, the only thing I'd say is if I could, uh, you know, get some more length, maybe I get a, I hit the protein shakes like Bryson or something, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, I think everyone's trying to reexamine how they're going to approach uh, modern competitive golf. I mean, if oh, you're trying, it doesn't matter if you're a, a young college kid or if you're a senior am or somewhere in between. I mean, I, I'm guessing you're at a point in your amateur golf career where you're, you're not, you know, going to that extremes, but are you doing something to maybe add length to your game? What are you doing? Yeah, you, you almost have to. It's a distance revolution. It's funny. I saw, I think a video just came out with Rory that he hit 191 ball speed. And I was thinking when I saw that, I said, you know what I should do? I should go to the range and I should swing as hard as I can and then have the camera come around and look at my numbers. And I might be like 155 ball speed and then just, you know, like I'm, I'm getting jacked up. But uh, no, seriously. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the game's just really evolved. It's exploded. It's athletes, um, to say what Bryson did. I mean, it just keeps, you know, um, all these guys, there are a handful of guys out there and that, and that's, that's where it's at. I think it's segued from who's going to make the key putt to, you know, who's going to hit the par five, who's going to dominate wedge out of the roughs better than a seven iron from the fairway. And, um, the game has just evolved and uh yeah i mean i i you know at age 42 when you're working in different things that's that's gonna that's gonna be tough but i'm trying i'm trying to stay more competitive and you try to work out whether it's the speed sticks or different things or try to help it i mean i don't think i'm gonna hit 200 miles an hour on the ball <laughs> you know on, on the gun but uh you know you still you still want to play you still want to get out and be competitive so you're you're trying you know, I'm trying to do some stuff, but who knows, you know? So. Yeah. Well, and also when you kind of get into that, that early to mid, well, you might as well say it when you're in your forties, you're kind of in a little bit of a no man's land with amateur golf because you're young, too young yeah. to play the seniors. And I mean, as you know, very well, what, what it's like at the U S mid am these, you get a new batch of 25 and 26 year olds every single year. Yeah, I think, and I think maybe 15 or 20 years ago, 30 years ago, I think you could still be real competitive in your forties. A lot of guys still are, you know, uh, but, but, uh, you know, I think that it's harder and harder. Uh, yeah, you're kind of in that lost age. Um, 
you know, even for the mid am stuff, you know, you're, you're 17, you know, 20 years older than some of the 25 year olds. Uh, but you still want to play, still want to be competitive. And then the games exploding as well with the distance. So you're, <laughs> it's not really a great spot to be in, but listen, I love to play. I'm still playing, you know, obviously, um, you know, working hard with the job and stuff like that. It's, it's a nice segue to do all that stuff and then kind of work hard and still, and still playing some stuff. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, get ready for senior golf. Hopefully, I, I you know, I live that long. You know, we'll I, see. So I, I think we can mark. I think <laughs> I mean, we can mark you down. I think. We, yeah. I, I think we'll. Yeah. I think we'll see in a few things. Um, well, let's let's kind of look back a little bit. I don't want to gloss over, um, you know, the beginning. And you know, what's what's funny is that I've had a lot of Gators on this podcast. I mean, it's it's double digits. Um, from Ricky wow. Cast- from Ricky Castillo, who's playing as we speak at the Blessings Collegiate for the University of Florida, to you know a, a nineteen uh, oh gosh nineteen sixty five I think Walker Cupper by the name of Bob Murphy, and then Sandra Gall, and down the list. But you are the first Allegheny College Gator. Yeah, so the, yeah, that well, I'm honored. Yeah, I'm honored for that to make it to the Gators. I think the difference is up in PA for the Gators. We have a sweater on. I think we hibernate <laughs> through the winter. I think we just hibernate for six months, and the Gators in Florida then they're able to you know get out and everything. But I'm I'm honored to make the Gator list. Yeah. But yeah, we do have we had a nice yellow sweater on our Gator and a little beanie on top. It was pretty <laughs> cute. But yeah, we hibernate all winter, and I think the other Gators are sunning themselves and stuff all. I, I want to know who called the winter. Gr- I want to know who called the graphic designer and said, all right, this is Allegheny college. We're the Gators. Here's what you need. Yeah. To- it was a little surprising. Yeah. yeah. It's not too many Gators up here in PA, but uh, we're going with it. I made it. Hey, I made it, you well, know, I you mean, know, part you know, of the Gator family. Of you know? Well, of course. And the thing yeah. too is, you know, you earned all American, also academic, all American there. And, you know, I don't, Oh gosh, yeah. I really don't want to. I took college. Yeah, I took college. I'm going to get a shirt. I took college. I'm yeah. going to get a shirt made up that says I took college and send it to yeah. you. So, yeah. Um, but I, but I guess what I want to ask is, you know, and, and let's just get it out of the way. You're, you're, you're in that list. I know it's going to embarrass the hell out of you, but you're in that list of some of the best amateurs of the last 50 years. I mean, let's just. It's true. And, and, you know, I'm sure you had D1 offers, but this is a really great opportunity for you to kind of speak to something that, you know, a lot of juniors, parents of juniors, even current collegiate players that, you know, maybe they're not sure they're that they're at the right program. Why was Allegheny the right fit for you? And was it even a difficult decision for you to play in a, at a D3 program as opposed to going to a D1 program? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny without going into a long, but I I think that long story, but I think, you know, I think at that time, you know, it made, uh, it just made sense. You know, I think that I was just a kid that, uh, you know, from, from Brookfield PA, I played baseball, I played basketball, I played all these different sports and I played golf and I, and I think I I did look at some D one schools, um, not only in PA, but even down in, in Carolina. And I don't think I was ready to, um, just being from a small town, honestly, just to uh, go away from home and, hey, see you at Thanksgiving, see you at Christmas. Right. I, w- I wasn't probably ready for that, um, you know, but I think that I think what what I liked was I, I liked the coach. I liked the coach up at uh, Allegheny. Uh, he was also the athletic director. So maybe we had a few more strings to pull there. I, I liked the facilities. It was, it was far enough away. It was close enough at home. Now it's one of those. It's like, what was, you know, and I say, you know, what were you thinking state, but it just, you know, it made sense at the time. I knew some of the other guys on the team 
And the other thing is too, is, you know, you, you go to some of the D one programs at that time and it's a little tough. Well, we got this kid coming in from Sweden. We got that coming in right. from this. We got this other guy. You might not. And I had some friends that went to some D one schools. Hey, they might play their freshman year and then never play again. And, uh, I think what, what, what was good for me, especially at Allegheny, um, you know, I got to play all four years. My game improved. You were, you're playing in tournaments, your competition, you're getting better. You wanted to get better. I had a swing instructor that was, you know, out of Pittsburgh. I could still see him. I could still develop, you know, if you go down, you know, five States away. And I think when you're younger, you need lessons. Now it's like, you know, your body is what it is. I can't, you know, hit that certain, certain spot on film. It's just, I'm going to swing it how I'm going to swing it. But when you're a kid, you feel like you need a lesson every two weeks. And, you know, there was just a number of factors. It was a great school, great academic school. And, um, you know, I mean, my, my wife at that time was going to Penn state. So, I mean, I was, I was dating her. She didn't want to, you know, go too far away. It just made sense. So kind of like all the above, you know, now, now you see, obviously following the game as you do, you see what these D one college, uh, golfers get as far as all the apparel and their taking private flights to tournaments they're going to cabo and they got i mean it's televised right now on the golf channel and you know it's unbelievable right yeah and and, you know i played a couple years of 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 golf at an naia program so again (laughs) you and i are basically exactly the same um so give me a fond memory of college golf from d3 that that yeah so this and this isn't this isn't a knock it's just funny so just it's funny we're having fun so our, um, in our colors, it's back then, even high school, you should see my high school, uh, we had the ugliest, you know, colors. It was back in the night, you know, you're back in the nineties, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but we had our, uh, uniforms or whatever. We just wear Gore-Tex all spring. We wouldn't even talk about it. We were in these pants. We were in that shirt. It's, I swear like all these springs we'd play in the rain. So we'd play in like these moldy Gore-Tex, you know, blue pants. And then our balls on the side of them instead of Allegheny, for some reason we got Allegra. Somehow they screwed up and I played a strata ball with Allegra on the side of it all spring, one spring, you know, Allegra. Yeah. Well, I got a, well, that can't be your ball. You know, that's Allegra. I got Allegra on the side of it, you know? So they screwed the, the whatever, but those are the good old days. I mean, that's back in the, you know, it's back, you know, 20, whatever years ago. And now it's, now it's, Hey, everything's big business with the tours and the golf channel and all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, flying here and there. And yeah, these guys are, it's, it's unbelievable, man. It's unbelievable. Those are the good old days, you know, top flight strata. Oh, the strata, the strata ball, you know, the the strata and got a legger on the side of it. You know, so you announce it on the first tee. Everybody's like, what? What Yeah. Well, whatever, you know, I'll uh, play that ball. Oh, sure. Why not? Um, I mean, how, how do you get this far as you did? Do you get that far if you're not from Pennsylvania? I mean, how much, uh, I guess the way I'm trying to phrase it, but how much of your success on the golf course can be attributed to learning the game and competing in the state of Pennsylvania? Well, um, yeah, that's a good question because, you, you you know, I'll be honest with you. I think if maybe if I grew up in Florida, you know, I don't know, maybe you end up as a pro or different things. But I think I think the th- one thing was was really good for me that growing up in Pennsylvania, I grew up at a really small small club, Pinecrest country club. And, and you know what, there was no, you know, kids aren't allowed juniors. It was all inclusive. And I had a lot of friends and we played, and that was maybe one of the best things that I just had full access to everything. It it, it was cool. You'd go to a tournament and you come back and the members would know what you shot. 
they couldn't have been nicer to you that, you know, it light you up that you wanted to do better because, you know, maybe somebody sees something in the old Brookfield Jeffersonian Democrat that, Oh, I shot this and they post it, you know? Right. And, um, and so not only that, so I had that access and then I didn't know any, you're a kid. I'm, I'm from, you don't know anything about, um, you know, amateur golf and to meet, you know, some guys from Pittsburgh or maybe, you know, a Sean Knapp or different things that introduced me to some things in Pittsburgh, some tournaments, you know, watching what he did in the mid-am. Yeah, I didn't know what the mid-am, I had no idea what the mid-am, what's a mid-am, you know, or right. different things like that, just to see him or a Carol Semple Thompson in Pittsburgh, which she did. She's the Bobby Jones of women's golf or Jay Sigal, what he did. So there was a lot of things where I, I learned and you kind of um, different things through the local West Penn Golf Association, got to meet people um, and, and different things like that. You know, I think it was good too, that, that you're, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a little bit, you didn't burn out, you know, I think you just were really excited. You squeezed it in, you know, five or six months, you kind of like got ready that, you know, you, you couldn't get enough of it for five or six months. So, uh, I think that, I think that helped and at the end. It was like a nice balance of, you know, you never really feel like you burn out with a game. It's almost right. like you couldn't get enough of it, so to say. Every so. season you're coming back hungry because you just had yeah. two, three months. Can't wait. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Well, I, I want to ask you about the state of amateur golf, um, and I'll do that a little bit later. But since we're kind sure. of talking a little bit about college, you know, I, and I, I know it's big business now, but, you know, I don't see, I don't see golf as a collegiate sport where the athlete really necessarily has to leave early to go to the professional ranks. I mean, I know in basketball and, and football, you know, the risk of injury is there and, you know, they got to kind of take their signing bonus when they can or their, or their, their deal and, you know, maybe enter the draft, but, you know, in golf, you know, and even looking at like Hovland and Wolf and Morikawa and Neiman, you know, those four went in slightly different paths, but it's kind of produced the the same result. Um, you know, they're, they're succeeding in the PGA tour, but like they're, they're kind of unicorns and there's so many kids out there that, they turn pro right outside of college, you know, not even perhaps seeing what that college degree could do for them or the alumni connections could do for them or succeeding on the elite amateur level like like you did. What could you possibly say to some of these kids that are thinking about turning pro that maybe they just need to understand what amateur golf could do for their life that maybe they're just not seeing? Well, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, my answer might surprise you a little bit, but I, I think it's like, if you're, if, if you're coming out of college and listen, you want to give it a go, you got to give it a go. I mean, yeah. you got to get it out of your system. I mean, it's like, if you're, if you're all American, this all American, that, um, you want to give it a go, you're set up, you got the game, you got to, you got to you got the game at the same time, you know, amateur golf, listen, golf's a lifetime sport. It can help you in business or anything or family relationships or, you know, what, what's happened with the mid-am game is just unbelievable. We're all of a sudden, Hey, the U S mid-amateur gets you in the, the U S open, the masters, different things. They're trying to have, you know, mid-amateurs on the Walker cup team. Um, so there's, there's still a lot to play for. Um, at the same time, if, if your dream, you know, growing up is to make the PGA tour and you still got, how many years to, you know, go, you know, go give it a try. You know, I think it's just, you, you got to get it out of your system or you're always, you always wonder, you know, um, I was, I was personally never really on that path. Uh, just being from Penn's, I just kept kind of getting, getting better, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah, if you, if you got the game, you got to, you got to give it a go, but it's great. It's a lifetime sport and you have mid-am golf, you have senior golf, you have just, it's everything. That's, that's the greatest thing about golf, you know? So. 
I agree. If you have the chance, you kind of have to give it a go. I just, I, I just see all the doors that have been opened to me by playing in amateur golf and, and being a, being passionate about it. And, and, you know, my, uh, my accomplishments are, are <laughs> pretty minuscule, but, um, I, I just, you know, you're, you won the son of Hannah in 2011, you're on their tournament committee. And, you know, obviously you're, you're in the room when, when tournament discussions are, are held, not only in a year like that's been affected by COVID, but also for years down the line. I mean, even taking COVID out of the conversation, and this really isn't specific to the son of Hannah, just like what are some of the things that you would like to see happen in amateur golf maybe the next decade? Well, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I think the one thing that's been amazing with amateur golf is it used to be just, you know, back in the day you've got, and there are a ton of good tours, but you used, used to kind of go, Oh, sunny hand in Northeast Porter cup, Southern, right. Uh, Western us. Now it's, I mean, through the course of the year, there's, um, you know, two great amateur tournaments every week of the year. It seems like, you know, uh, the game's just exploded the demand to play amateur golf, not only on the local state, national levels through the roof um i think that i would hope and i, I don't know how you do this and maybe it's because i'm just uh you know at that age i just i just hope that and i would see it because i've talked to some certain guys so it might even but i think it's just you hope that um you know a lot of mid-am golfs uh continue to play um and a lot of those events are somehow if they could stay somehow competitive or active in the different things because like i said it used to be hey 15 20 years ago if you're in your forties or you, you know, you could still compete at a lot of those national events. Now it's like, Jesus, college kids. I mean, it's unbelievable how good they are. Yeah. And, uh, so it's kind of, you're having a lot of guys that are older. Hey, I have a job, I have family. Um, well, why am I going to go play in that event? You know, this, I got to play the best golf of my life to get a top 40. Right. I, I think if somehow, um, you know, if you could keep the mid-ams, you know, uh, relevant, I don't know what that is. Maybe more, you know, something that maybe the Sonny Hannah just did to have a Sonny Hannah mid-am, um, that they just started, uh, this fall or different things like that, but hopefully, uh, just keep, you know, it's a lifetime sport. Like I said, a lot of guys as, as you go down the line, you know, just keep, just keep those guys involved in different things. And, um, you know, um, that, that'd be, that'd be the only thing that would, would come to mind, you know, but of course you have all these great, you know, mid-am events still like, you know, whether it's the, uh, you know, Coleman, Coleman uh, Crump, yeah, Crump. you know, you know, different things you're out at LA, you know? Um, so, I mean, it's just, you know, there's, there's a lot there, but that, that's the only thing that would come to mind probably right now. You know, I, uh, I still, uh, have not received my invite to the Coleman or the Crump. Do you know who I talked to about that? Or, or, I mean, do, do I just drop your name or how, how does No, that definitely don't. No, I don't know you don't drop my name. And, uh, this conversation is over and I'm hanging. Oh, damn. <laughs> so no, quick. No, yeah, you can ask. Why don't you, uh, you there's, keep well, asking, they, well, they have you know? qualifiers for that, don't they? You get like, yeah, sure. They do. Yeah. I'll oh, point you in the wrong direction I, and walk the other way. Pre- Absolutely. Pre- appreciate yeah, that. Okay. That's it. Perfect. That's it. You're in, you're on the list, oh. you know? Easy. Done. Um, yeah. All right. Now we've nibbled around the edges of talking about the collegiate game and talking about the amateur game. But, you know, when we spoke earlier today, I said, hey, are we you still available today? And you said, oh, yeah, bring it. Now, you know, we're yeah. going ha- we're gonna to have to bring t- it. We're going to have to talk a little bit about what you've done yourself and what and some of your accomplishments. You know that, right? We can't not talk about some of these things. 
Well, I didn't. I thought we'd have more of. I mean, I when I said bring it, I thought we'd you know argue about some topics. But if you want oh. to get my whatever, I mean. But if you you can wherever you want to go with it, it's fine. You well, can, wherever I mean, you want to go. I'm just you know? letting you know. I mean, listeners are wondering like, okay, why isn't he bringing up the fact that you know you've you've won four of these U.S. mid amps, and one of them is a sore spot for me. We're going to get to that soon, but you win your first in 2003. And at the age of 25, I believe, 25, 25, yep. 25. Yeah, correct. Yep. This is the first year of eligibility. And I'm always fascinated when someone makes the transition from, you know, playing at the state level, local level. I mean, I know you've played in many USJ championships. I have the exact number if you, if you're interested, but uh, did you have any idea what you were getting into when you played your first US mid-am? I mean, you mentioned earlier how you're like, I don't know what a US mid-am is, but Obviously, when you're registering and you're, up, you know, going to qualify for it, you have some idea. Well, I mean, like I said, there were guys that I knew that played in it. I didn't really know, um, you know, like I said, Sean Knapp, some other guys locally in Pittsburgh that played in it. You know, your Tim Jacksons, um, you know, talking with him through some national stuff. And, and I knew guys that did it before and won it before. I mean, obviously, I had no idea. Uh, but at the same time, you just sh- you never think you're going to. It's just yeah you go qualify i actually qualified in the playoff uh to get there and you really? show up and you play and yeah i mean i was in a four-person playoff for two spots and you know it's only 18 holes and you know part of it like yeah, i'd so it, you know you just you just show up and go you have no idea that at the end of the week it's like well you know and how many months you're, you're playing in the masters and then it's just you know it's it's just like what you know what are you talking about and then you know then you get a lot of into a lot of events and exemptions and different things and that, yeah, I mean, it just, it kind of, it kind of snowballed with, with that one. And then, you know, what can lead and a lot, you've seen it with other guys, whether hey, if you can do that, Hey, maybe there's a Walker cup, maybe there's this through that. It's really, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. So you have no idea. You can't get your arms around it, you know? Um, and that's probably if, <laughs> if you knew all that, yeah, you probably right. go, win, go win, you know? So well, it is what it is. Well, I'm guessing your 2003 victory was, maybe easier than the other ones because you didn't have that you didn't know you just kind of went into it blind yeah it's tough it's it's yeah there's there's a lot there i mean it's when you when you realize what you what you get when you win it's pretty it's pretty cool so i mean you had a really great run it looks like i mean obviously there's lots of things you've accomplished but i mean that 07 to 15 run just seemed like you're racking up something each and every year but you know between 2003 and 2007 i know you had a shoulder surgery uh, walk me through trying to get back to that level after going through a shoulder surgery. Well, it was, it was weird because at that time I, yeah, I was, um, yeah, I did have, I tore my labor on my left shoulder and that's to anybody listening. That's why my swing might look like I'm a butterfly trying to fly with one <laughs> wing. My swing used to be, my swing used to be a lot better, um, back when there wasn't really video. Now it's, you see it. It's like, how does he even make contact? But, um, yeah, I had shoulder surgery, um, you know, got married in 05, started work. It just, things were, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It was, it was crazy. Cause you're playing in the masters, the greatest thing ever. All of a sudden, then you hurt the surgery, then you're, you're starting over um, almost. then you're working and, and listen, married and you start this other life. But, you know, I think that as you, as you, you know, I got my feet planted a little bit more and, and built some strength back up in my shoulder, you know, I still kind of, uh, wanted, wanted to play. And then, you know, I could still play in a lot of this stuff. And I, I didn't know it would snowball into, 
you know, three Walker cups and more mids and, and all that. I just, I just wanted to play and I love to play and I couldn't get enough of it. And then, yeah, you blink your eyes and yeah, 10 years goes by and it's, it's wild, you know, who, who would have thought, I mean, I never, I never would have thought that, you know, so. I ask a lot of mid-ams, you know, how, I mean, preparing for one tournament is, you know, that's one thing, but, um, you know, trying to maintain a level of, like I said, that, that 2007 to 15, that really, you know, one of the great stretches you had, you know, it's really not an original question, but I think, like I said, I ask just about all the guests I can, how do you balance the work and the family and the life? And then, oh, by the way, you got to get a golf game in order to go play in some of these very special and elite tournaments for people that listen, that try each week to, you know, sneak out to the range or get in nine holes. How, how are you operating at such a high level while having a life, having, you know, a job, a career? And how, how did you do it? What were some tips that you had? Yeah. And I think going to, I think going to school at Allegheny kind of helped me too with, I think it's just about time management and probably a lot of guys listening, you know, golf families, everything. It's just, you got to somehow find time if you got, if you just got to carve out and, and granted, I, I really didn't play. It seemed like the only time I played was in tournaments um, just because you can't, I, I can't find five or six hours, you, you know, in the day, but maybe I could hit some putts before work in the morning. Maybe I could hit some balls at night. You know, you're just trying to get a certain amount of reps because, you know, you have all these tournaments and you can't really, you know, I can't go play six hours here on a Wednesday when I might have this tournament, you know, next, uh, whatever over the weekend, or, um, I think it's time management. It's just getting, it's just kind of like reps on the mound. How many, how many, you know, how many putts can he hit? How many shots can he hit? Um, that's something I've always tried to do. Just hit so many balls, hit so many putts every day, just, just to try to stay sharp, just to try to stay competitive. And, um, and I think a lot of times when you're that age, you know, everybody goes through it's, it seemed, easy at the time right. and then maybe when you get in your 40s everything's hard I, I don't know for some reason it just you know that stretch just seemed like a flow like it was very easy to do and now um you get in your 40s and everything everything's hard like why why is that ball like not sitting up in the rough and how did you know different things like that but um it is what it is what it is I would I would just say time management reps and it's the day-to-day day-to-day you know I, I saw online this guy that got busted by his wife because she tracked his iPhone and he said he was someplace else, but he was actually at the golf course. And I was just thinking, God, oh, that just, that's one of the evil uh, side effects of technology. Cause that just, well, that it's, just, I mean, it's, that's if that's the worst, if it's a worst case, he's at the golf course. He'll be, that's true. <laughs> he'll, that's be, a, he'll be okay. That's, I mean. a, that's a good point. <laughs> oh, you're at the golf. Okay. Well, that's a, okay. That's we, an okay we, fan, we, a problem to have, you know, I'm guessing that your wife has to be pretty understanding of, of your, of your golf aspirations. Yeah. I mean, I think that's great. She, she, you know, she's great. Um, you know, and it's one of those, I think she, uh, and she gets out and plays with me too. And we, we have a lot of fun, but you know, I, we were, uh, newer in high school, you know, so we got in high school, college. So I think she kind of, uh, I think we both kind of know what we, we kind of signed up for. And, you know, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun for her too. You know, if you have a destination place at a mid AM or different things like that, that you can uh, travel to and she's gone and the places we've gone and, um, it's, it's been, we've been really fortunate. So she's, she's been, she's enjoyed picking and choosing the, the nice places, the nice places <laughs> okay. to go okay, so and what, all that. I think I'll go with you this week, you know? What's so. uh, what? Okay. So what's her favorite tournament? Um, 
do you know the you know obviously the you know to sneak down to the uh the Coleman and uh-huh. uh you know April's a nice you know West Palm West Palm and April's pretty nice sure. um you know there's some other ones there've been a lot of there's a lot of been a lot of fun mid-am places you know she had a, she had some uh year one year we were down in Birmingham she had a girlfriend down there and just other places we've gone that uh really really cool really cool spots you know it's funny whenever I miss the cut or flame out, you know, get beat match play, then she gets to pick dinner. And usually it's some, you know, awful, you know, whatever food I got to go eat. So that's my, <laughs> that's my, that's my punishment. That's you know? punishment. So that's, that's how, that's how it works. You know, wow. she'll, she'll scout it out, but the couple times or how many times you win, that's, that's fun to, you know, so she doesn't have to, you know, pick those places you out. Finally so, uncovered yeah. the secret to your success. You want to, yeah, I don't so want to go eat whatever. I'm not even going to say the food to not offend anybody in this, you know, I'm just going to, you know, whatever. So, wow. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of, yeah. Oh, so that's it. We, we, we figured it out. Well, um, I, I have to ask you about Walker cup. It's, uh, I mean, I was at my first one last year at, uh, at Hoylake just an incredible experience you ever playing your first one in 09 you played in three and kind of ran the gamut where you you guys in in 09 you know kind of blew them out at, at marion and then really lose a heartbreaker in scotland the in 11 and then another blowout win at national golf links you know i know you had the clinching point in uh, in 2013 but Couple of questions. So let let me ask you. You had Buddy Marucci as a captain in 09, and then you have Holt Grieve in eleven and thirteen. Now I have not spoken to Buddy yet on the podcast. Met him I met him at Hoylake, but I've met Holt Grieve. I've had him on the podcast, and um I think I got him to cry twice. <laughs> wasn't wasn't really trying very hard. I didn't even have my A game, but I got him to cry a couple of times. Uh those were your two captains. Um <laughs> Give me. <laughs> uh, this this might be one we're off to take like the fifth if I know where you're gonna. Uh, okay, oh no, yeah, I, no, yeah, I'm, yeah. no, we're gonna keep this above board. But I'm just I'm okay, thinking I yeah. I don't know them both incredibly well, but what yeah. I do know I see two completely different styles, so to speak. Um, yes, yes, so, I would say yes. So yes, so maybe you know clue me in or maybe listeners in on the the difference uh, different styles of Mr. Marucci and Mr. Holdgrave. Wow, man, you're really you're really putting me on the spot here. Hopefully that's putting wait know, a minute. That's putting you. That, that's putting I you know. on the spot. See, I didn't know. Jeez, I thought we were gonna. You know, um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. A, a, a uh, so I, I love them both. I love them both. Great guys. Love them. You know, second dads, all that. So I got to feel like I get all the things out. Love them. Love them. Love them. Love you guys. Great. If you're They're... whatever, I'm not even gonna say anything. But but it's so funny. I remember. Um, I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you two stories, buddy. I remember one, one match I was riding in the, <laughs> riding in the cart with, um, buddy. And I'm not even going to say the the player in 09, he, he foul balled, he foul balled, a, uh, you know, a ball like into this bush or something and they couldn't find it. And all he had to do was, you know, have a couple holes to get this point. And, but he's in the cart with man. He's like, Oh, what is he doing? What is he doing? What, what, what's he doing over here? What's he doing? And he's complaining the whole way up, jumps out of the cart. He's like, Hey, Hey, what's go- What's going on here? You can't find your ball. So immediately he just like put the thing on, like, you know, Oh, he's, he's like, like, what, you know, the whole way he's complaining. He's like, Hey, what's, what's up, babe. Hey, how you- Oh man, we'll find this ball. No problem. You know, yeah. rubbing his shoulders and stuff like that. And, and then, um, <laughs> another time 
we're out there. I think it was number four or something at Marion and, and Bud Colley was playing somebody and, and you know, this guy had no chance. I think Bud Colley, there's no green up there. Bud Colley hits like the best three wood you ever saw. We're in the cart stuffs it to like four feet to Eagle. Buddy looks at me in the cart. He goes, okay, I think he'll be fine. Let's find somebody else. Let's find somebody else to watch. <laughs> then he said, how would you like to play him for the next 20 years? And it just was, it just was funny. And then, um, you know, whole grieve is passionate, uh-huh. wears it on the sleeve, uh-huh. um, you know, uh, you know, passionate speeches, the whole deal, you know, are you freaking kidding me? Uh-huh. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, come on. Huh? You know, so just love them both, but, uh, yeah, different styles, great guys. Um, you, you know, and again, when we won, uh, 13 there, you know, uh, and I, you know, you feel awful in 11. We couldn't, we couldn't get the win for him over there. We lost by what half a point or a point or something. I forget, but, uh, you know, just for him to win and everything about national golf links and, you know, when, when that point, and he's like on me today, he's like number 14, you know, it's like the 14th was 14. I love you. I love you. 14. I love you. And he made like a shirt or something, you know, and it's just right. two of the, two of the greatest guys. And, uh, you know, and again, I think even Buddy in 09, being a member at Marianne was so, you know, advantageous oh, yeah. for us and everything with some knowledge and course knowledge and uh, just just two of the funniest guys, too. You know, <laughs> so I try to keep everything G right, but they're just the greatest guys, you know. So. I uh, no, I, I, I think that's I think that's great. And that does sound a lot like uh, like Holt Grieve. Um, Holt Grieve just seems like a guy that, uh, you know, if, if you're in a bar and someone steps on your foot or backs into you. <laughs> Holt, Holt Grieve is going to be the one to start it with this guy before you even know what's going on. Well, I mean, it's just the, the speeches at night and, and, and you said, I it's just so passionate. So everything. And you know, the game of golf, what it can give to you, you know, he just, <laughs> he's just the best. I mean, just the best guy, love him, And, uh, you know, and, and buddy and him, I was so lucky to have them, uh, as, as captains and, and still, you know, text and talk to him and see him, you know, all the time, you know? So I was really, I was really fortunate, you know, and it's, it's, you know, I'm glad I didn't, you know, some old, some old mid-am didn't, didn't weigh down the team for him. So oh, here you know, we go. So it's some good. old mid-am crap. Yeah. Um, all right. So Oh nine, you're with Uline and mm-hmm. how did that match or how did that, that uh, pairing happen? Cause I mean, from looking on the outside in, I'm thinking, okay, you know, you got the mid-am from the, the small town in, in Pennsylvania and you have this real, I mean, if there's a definition of a blue chipper at that time, it's gotta be Uline, Oklahoma state. I mean, just, I'm, I'm curious, how did that pairing happen? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm trying to remember. I think that we would, um, and we didn't know it was going to happen, but I think that, you know, um, you know, I think Buddy, just knowing the course, had something in mind where, you know, at that time, uh, and still is, you know, Peter was uh, just a bomber. I mean, yeah. just an absolute bomber off the tee. Just crushed it. Probably longest guy, you know, on our team. And um, at the same time, I think Buddy probably knew that, hey, I was a good putter, good wedge player. Um, so, hey, if the, the further Peter could get it up the fairway, I could pretty good you know it's kind of like yin and yang well i'm pretty you know accurate different things and he bombs it out there but it just we tried a bunch of different lineups and our things were down at caves and then at marion and i think then all of a sudden you know you you play different nines with different people and that was the funnest thing about the walker cup just going out you know with everybody playing together and the smack talk and you've got 
you know, five twosomes out there and you're playing with a partner and you're smack talking and you can see everybody's game. And what a, and what a thrill for me to, yeah, you mentioned Peter Uliheim, Ricky Fowler, Jordan Speed, yeah. Justin Thomas, all these guys to, to be around them that much and see their games and learn so much. But I just think Peter and I were, I don't know, for whatever reason, we would keep playing well. And it's kind of, if it was working, he'd keep you and then he'd try another lineup. And and I feel like we did pretty good in, in all of our um, inner squad things. We're, we're one of the best teams. And then I think, you know, we were, we were two and oh, and, Hey, I was riding Peter and, and he was just, I mean, he was best player, uh, you know, probably in the country. I know Ricky was on it, but he was, you know, it was great. So, I mean, I just was, uh, it, it worked out. Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. You wouldn't think, but you know, they had to, they had to stick me with somebody. Right, yeah, put they, me with the best guy. You that know? makes I sense. Mean, come on. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. How, you know? how now those practice sessions, they sound they almost sound more fun than actually playing in the Walker. Oh game. my God. Okay. I mean, so, I would yeah, get up as you, Oh my gosh. I mean, when as you get older, you're just like, how am I going to, you know, um, now, I mean, I can't even believe it, you know, they'd be on a team. Now they'd hit it, you know, 50, 60 yards by me. At least I felt I was somewhat competitive, but you know, in those inner squads, you knew like, listen, you gotta like, I mean, you know, even like in Oh nine or different things, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, Hey, you know, I got to, going out to play with ricky fowler today you're going out to play you know you better bring it you better you know but um it's just so fun fun to be around those guys and yeah the smack talks and guys walking in pots or hitting shots and you know or or different things or you know nip they'd call nippy you know and the and and the ball's up at a check and you just you just give each other you know what the whole the whole way around and there'd be so much smack talk and side bets and it's just it, the whole thing was, was so much fun you know and you're playing a, a caves a marion you know an average national golf links anyway it's just unbelievable it's now, just I know the greatest I'll, couple weeks ever yeah you know? and and i know these guys were all very very young when they were on the team and and i think they've they've moved on to the point where you can give them a little shit here they will be okay since they're most of them are on the pga tour and flying around in jets and all that crap but can you remember back to just one of these guys that were in the practice sessions really just the braggadocio was, was in full effect that you're like, man, this guy really does. He comes with a lot of extra sauce, doesn't he? Well, there were, there were quite a few of those guys, and, <laughs> you know, but, but, that, um, but that backed it up. I don't mean it in a way. Yeah, like, oh, that, that, well, I mean, it's just, it, I think that I was, I think that guys that blew you away that just, uh, you know, on that team and it was, it was a, I mean, every player that played on that team was uh, off the charts and the smack talk and, um, you know, and I, I could go through it. You probably, you need a story, but I mean, just being on the 09 team and at that point, uh, you know, Ricky Fowler, you know, just lays irons or lasers. I mean, the greens were sloped. He'd have a 10 footer with five feet of break. He'd walk it in. I mean, just one of the most confident people. He was, um, and I'll just tell you a quick story yeah, on him, just because you yeah, want the hey, stories. Hey, hey, yeah, you tell any story you want to. You yeah, tell your- yeah. Uh, they want to hear the stories. They want to hear the stories. So, we're, so Ricky, um, it's so funny. We got a monster rain for like a, a day or two the day before um, 
the Walker Cup or the day before the Walker Cup out in Marion in 09. And um, so we're like, what are we going to do? So I, I, you know, I got to get the reps. I'm whatever. I'm, you know, fish out. I'm in my thirties. Like, you know, I'm like, I got to get the rep. So I go out in the rain. We try to, and the parents are there. She go out and play. Well, Ricky is, um, he just takes a nap on the couch all day. He's just on the couch all day. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, I'm like, we got our best guy. And this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, Oh my God, you know, I'm like, Ricky's on the, you know, he's even touched a club. What's he doing? You know, oh my God, you know, and I don't know what I'm doing. This is my first Walker cup. He obviously played, he's playing Rory, you know, the year, two years before, you know, whatever. I just want to be sharp for this team, try to fit in. So he didn't, he didn't play past the 14th hole, (laughs) like all weekend. He just killed everybody, you know, six and five, five and just killed everybody. But the best story I can remember, we were waiting for him. He was, I think. In the par three, whatever it is, nine at Marion, I, I believe that down the hill or something before before ten, I believe he was like six six up through eight holes, and he was playing this guy, and he just so much just walking in every putt, and he comes over to nine, and the guy he was playing from GB and I was was hitting some putts, trying to run the stall, like I got to figure something out, uh, like this kid, you know, he's running away with it, he doesn't even hesitate. Sam Hutsby is the guy's name. Well, now you're now I feel like I can't even now that you're <laughs> you're throwing out names. I didn't want to right, his, na- right, his, his name yeah. is not Sam Hutsby. Yeah, Go that's ahead. fine. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't but anyway, so he's hitting some some putts. He comes over and just doesn't even hesitate, doesn't even get a number, pulls out an iron and just and and I think Sam was like halfway. Now I used his name, that's bad. But anyway, he's halfway over to the T and Ricky just like hits and just stuffs it to like two feet. <laughs> I'm watching this and I'm, <laughs> I'm in the cart with buddy and buddy's just like, Oh my God, like just shake, like how good, how good is this guy? But you know, again, you go through it and we'd have, you know, every, every clutch putt that needed to be made in 11, you know, 2011 and, a, you know, Jordan Spieth wouldn't miss it. And you could see it. And then, and then you'd play and you'd always, you know, you always wanted to out drive somebody, you know, on the team. And then 2013, you know, uh, Justin Thomas, you know, would just out of nowhere, he just hit one like 30 yards by everybody. And you're like, what, what just happened? You know, I mean, what, how did that, you know, talking, you know what? And, um, and who would have thought, you know, a lot of those guys go on, they win this, they win that. You never think that at the time, right. you're like, you know, are you kidding me that, you know, this guy won this major or the TPC or this tournament or unbelievable. And it's just, it's crazy. You were on that team and, you know, the stories go on and on. All those guys are, off the charts, you know, and they were all great guys. They were all great young men and they're great guys to this day. It's just, it's, it's really incredible. And that's the one thing about golf that, you know, now I'm going to sound like Holgrave. I'm not going to cry, you know, but it's just uh, unbelievable it, how that we're not done yet. You know, I, I still yeah, got, I got stuff saved up. Don't oh worry. boy. Oh boy. Out. But it's just unbelievable. You know, that a mid am, like I said, a minute, Hey, you win the mid am. Hey, it can lead to walk playing with those guys getting in the masters. It's like a super bowl. You can't do that in any other sport. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so good. So, I mean, I, I just feel so lucky to be around those guys and it's unbelievable. You know? Now, now, you know, that at some point, I don't want to you know get you crying or shock your system, but you know, someday you're probably going to get a call to be a captain of your own team. And I don't want to put you on a spot and have you, I don't want you to lobby for your cause or anything like that. But what are some of the memories of, of your captains that you saw, like some of the experiences that they got to do that you're like, wow, that looks really cool. I mean, you got all your memories as a player and, and um, you know, obviously, like I said, you, you had the, the winning point in, uh, in 2013, but 
Maybe what are some of the things that you saw uh, uh, Marucci and Holgrove get to do that you're like, you know what, I, I wouldn't mind put, having that as my own memory someday. Yeah, well, I, you know, hey, I'll never. If that ever happens, it'd be the b- biggest honor of my life. I'll never lobby or, or anything. Of but course. I would say watching them. Um, yeah, the thing I got to see with them was it was a nice. Um, and both those guys have had great amateur careers. And I think what was really cool was just, just, just they. Hey, they got to share it with their families. Uh, the recognition that both those guys uh, deserve for what they did for amateur golf. Um, again, maybe a little similar feeling to me being around these younger guys. And, and, you know, when you're on that team, it doesn't matter what team it could be, you know, any year, you're always going to be bonded with those guys right. and text chains and, and, and different things like that. And, and you still keep in touch with them to this day. But I think that's one thing that was really cool. Just watching those guys just share it with their families and just the, the recognition they got. And it was, it was well-deserved, um, for them and, and, you know, what, how they've conducted themselves and what they've done for amateur golf, you know, throughout the, throughout their lives. And, yeah. uh, just the experience, just the experience of being at these great places around these players and, um, you know, win or loss, you know, you're doing it the right way and, and, and all that. And, um, you know, I, I think that's probably what, what would jump jumps out to me. Sure. Yeah. I've talked to, I think, gosh, now it's gotta be over two dozen different Walker cuppers I've spoke with. I had, I was able to get a very shy Jason Gore on the podcast. It's really hard to get him to talk. I'm sure. (laughs) And uh, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He's, he's kind of a hermit, but um, he, uh, he sent me a picture of his 1997 Walker cup bag that he has in his office and it's like fully intact, you know, head covers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's oh, yeah. like, you know, there's probably like an old, there's probably a top flight strata in there. I mean, it is just oh, yeah. what, um, yeah. and, and, you know, he's, I think every golfer, no matter what level you're at, you know, from a 20 handicap or to a Walker cup or there's golf stuff in someone's home. They're proud. of Oh it. yeah. All right. So, so you got quite a bit you could have in your house that if I walk in, I'm like, Oh, okay. I, that looks familiar. Um, do you have any Walker cup stuff? Uh, what, what do you, you know, do you have anything on display? Not like a trophy case, but like, like, what are you, what are you most proud of if someone walks in and sees? Uh, so I don't, I don't, uh, but it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll tease Drew Weaver, you know, on the 090 with Drew, Drew and I always usually send pictures if we're wearing our stuff to this day. And that's 11 years ago, wow, but we always tease, awesome. we always say, you know, cashmere, cashmere, it's a cashmere day, you know? We'll tease about the cashmere, a little chilly, put on the cashmere, uh-huh. you know? So, uh, you know, we'll send pictures of us and, and he's got the, he's got the cashmere closet and, and everything with the Walker coat. My mine's nothing like that, but no, I don't have, I've got some stuff. Look, you know, I got a few things, but I, there's nothing out on display, but everything's still intact. You know, I got some stuff, you know, lined up in the basement, but I'm not going to, you know, and there's sure. a, there's some stuff in the closet where I kind of have a little, little, you know, and you're almost, <laughs> almost too afraid to wear it, but yeah, I still, I still have it all, man. I, I got the, everything for the cashmere to even the, you know, the boxers they give you the Walker cup boxers, a walk at just every, boxers. Oh, the wow. t-shirts, the boxers, the cashmere, the everything. I mean, I, I, I got it all. I got it all, you know? Wow. So, um, but yeah, you got, you got your little closet and stuff like that, but no, nothing's, no, nothing. Nothing's out. Nothing's out in the open. Yeah, you got to you got to dig for it. You know, That's so awesome. around the house or hidden. It's a hidden closet. You know. It seems like we're. I'm trying to get you to share some more of these personal stories, but I'm going to go. Into, <laughs> but I'm going to kind of. I mean, we've got all the way down to the boxers, but we're going to go in a different direction. Um, 
I've spoken to quite a few mid-ams, and um, I actually have had a chance to speak with uh, Scott Harvey, another U.S. mid-am champ, and he, yeah, you know, he shared this story about about his experience staying in the crow's nest during the Masters. And when I had him on the podcast, this uh, this guy tells me that I think it was either Monday or Tuesday night, but he's up there in the crow's nest with uh, Corey Connors, who was a runner-up at the USAM that year or the year before, obviously, and. I guess they had this like combination of of boredom and excitement. They couldn't really sleep, and Harvey goes down and gets a gets some Coors Light out of the locker room, and they're sitting up there in the crow's nest having beers and just kind of shooting the shit. You've been at four, you've played in four Masters. I'm sure you have stayed in the crow's nest at least once or twice. Um, do you have a story anywhere near Harvey's that you know maybe? maybe something that an amateur did while they're at the masters that, you know, perhaps they wouldn't want to get out, but you're, you're comfortable getting it out here on this podcast. Well, there, there's a lot that, you, you know, but, uh, um, I'm trying to think, uh, you, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep, you know, um, yeah, getting get, get a beer, getting a beer. That's, that's fine. You know, that's fine. You know, I think that, uh, you know, I think, I think one of the cool, uh, I'll try to keep it a little, you know, nothing, nothing bad, you know, but it's, it's, uh, I think the coolest thing being up there with those guys, it's really tight quarters up there, but, uh, just even, just even, um, you know, Tuesday nights. Well, okay. I, I mean, I got a bunch, a lot of stuff flooding through the, I'm trying to filter here. Um, well, we can filter, well, we can filter I'm it trying, later. We can filter to fil- it later. We can filter yeah, that's it later. True. So you, yeah, I'm yeah. trying, I'm trying to filter. So I'm trying to keep it, you know, uh, but, um, how many green jackets did you steal, Nathan? Oh, no, oh, no, no, you're afraid. To, yeah. But, um, I, I will, t- okay. I will tell you this, uh, um, to, well, to, a couple a couple stories. The 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 fun one was going up uh, Tuesday night. I went out to eat with the family, and I came back, and uh, I think that was the champions' dinner night. And it was cool to walk past that upstairs. Mm-hmm. I remember being with I think I think I was with um, even Snedeker was coming back in the same time as me, and with just seeing um, those guys, that collection of talent, um, you know. Uh, just lined up for that picture and they were getting their picture oh, wow. and we just, we just stood there and kind of like took it in like, Oh my God, like, are you kidding me? And then just to see that. And then uh, just different things too. You know, they got that window up there and you know, if you go out and sit on the roof and, and take it all in, that's pretty cool. But I will say uh, uh, funny, uh, 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 interesting story. I remember, uh, I think it was my first year I was, I was out. I just missed, I think I just missed the cut and I just had uh, dinner with the family and I came back to the, uh, the uh, crow's nest. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go outside and just kind of walk out and just kind of just take it all in. You yeah. know what I mean? And it was just like one of those. And I walked out and to this day, I have no idea where, where this security came from. I walked out almost kind of just, I was just walking out just kind of like, Hey, I, I did this. I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe and I don't know where they came from. I don't know if they were in a manhole. I don't know where, but this guy, this security guy tapped me on the shoulder and said, Mr. Smith, uh, you know, you probably, you know, and I was just, I don't even know what he said after that, but I don't know where he came from, but that place is, is under some pretty good, uh, security but i just figured i'd go out kind of choose the moment kind of take it all in right. and all of a sudden i got a guy came out of nowhere i don't know where the, I don't know where he was but uh 
yeah, it's pretty, pretty good security there. Um, and just being there, like, are you kidding me? It's like sleeping under the, you know, the Christmas tree. You're like, my God, there's going to be, you know, the masters is here tomorrow. Nobody's here. I mean, you're walking around, is this real? I'm walking around the clubhouse. Nobody's even here. There's going to be 50,000 people here tomorrow. It's the masters and just going over, even, even when you miss the cut, you know, I went over on the range and you just watch those guys warm up and, you know, then you run back over. I can remember one year you're under the tree and you watch Tiger come out of the, the locker room, going to the first tee and everybody's just going crazy. I mean, just, just to be like a little, you know, mouse in the corner, just take it in. And, and then I kind of sit there with some of the coaches uh, and, and just, and just watch these guys, um, you know, warm up and what they're doing, what they're working on and what they're feeling. You see them in the locker room, then you see them go out. It just, just the coolest thing, just the coolest thing ever. I mean, just the total access was unbelievable. I mean, it's just the greatest, greatest experience ever, you know? And you, and you had your dad on the bag, didn't you? I did. Yeah. They had the, they probably gave him the biggest white jumper down there, you know, that he, uh, he, he, he carried it. Yeah. All four times. If you can believe that, but what a thrill. And, uh, the only quick story I'll tell you there is we, the first one where, you know, in 04, I played with Palmer in his last one, and yep. we go down the first hole, and somehow, I don't even know, I'm glad I didn't hit the scoreboard off the right, <laughs> and uh, we're in the fairway, and he pulls out the pin sheet, and his, you know, his hands are shaking, and uh, <laughs> he goes, okay, we've got, and his voice is quivering, his hands, and he had the pin sheet upside down. Perfect. And I go, you know what, just, just. I'll try to <laughs> just don't fall over. Just, just, just don't fall over. Let's just try not to embarrass ourselves and just I'll, I'll let me know when you're, let me do Let me know when you come to here about halfway through the first nine. So there was, fantastic. it's just, I mean, it's just getting on a freeway, you know, with a bicycle, you're not ready for to play in the masters with, especially out of being from PA out of the winter and play with Palmer in his last, I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, come on. So it was, thrill of a lifetime and what you're feeling in the par three contest. And, um, you know, even I, I got some crystal, I sculled one off the first tee. I boned one up there to like 22 inches. Uh-huh. Everybody thought it was a knockdown shot. I sculled the heck out of it and just <laughs> who knows. And lo and behold, it goes in and you mean you, Byron you, Nelson you mean sitting you, there you, and the whole you mean thing. You, you, know? flush, you mean you flush. Oh, I flushed. Oh, that, somebody yells out a great knockdown. I just sculled the heck out of it. Just boned it, you know, and hits the fringe and rolls up there 22 inches. And so really just, uh, there's just so many things, you know, and the, the, the guys, the future guys that'll with the mid am, they're just, they're in for a, for a big treat. And just that tournament just keeps getting better and better and bigger and bigger. So it's just unbelievable. Well, you, know? you mentioned this future guy, you know, you had this, this run of winning three out of four us mid ams from Oh nine to 12, you know, this, this really incredible stretch and, you know, certainly not, and not at that level, but pretty darn close. Uh, I got to mention the guy that put us together that I, I really hate owing him one. Cause it's just, you just, I hate to have to owe Stuart Hagestad something, but but he he put us together and you know he's he's had several consecutive u.s open appearances oh unbelievable one one a u.s mid-am and um you know actually you know came came from behind and beat scott harvey and and you know i like i said just having that feeling of debt to to hagestad because he listens to the podcast all the time and um he gives me notes and and it's 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 great but we haven't really seen a level of, of dominance or a really a great stretch since yours. I mean, we can kind of loop in his, um, but we see it on the senior side a little bit, you know, when you have, you know, Elliot McCoy kind of winning 
a bunch of stuff, but we haven't seen a real dominant U.S. mid-am and that has won several events. I mean, can you think of, I mean, is it just reasons that we've talked about? It's just so hard once you get to that age? Well, I, I would I would say that, uh, first of all, about Stu, I mean, just unbelievable run, unbelievable player, you know, great guy to have, what, three U.S. Opens in a row and maybe should have had a fourth. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know uh, how that works or the different things or the, or the rankings, but, I mean, to think about that, and, and a lot of those were qualifying, you know, qualifying yeah. for him. Yeah. It's not like uh, I won how many mid-ams I just get in. You know, he's qualifying for it, which is unbelievable in today's age. And uh, it's just unbelievable what he's done and doing. And I don't know. I mean, you know, never say no. I just don't know if you'll see somebody that can is going to play that well, you know, um, as a mid-am. Just again, with with the, you know, the younger guys and different things, it's just so hard to find the time, the energy, the everything to play that good on that level. And then, I mean, then, you know, low, low am and the masters, I mean, I could go on and on. So it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. The level was, yeah. I mean, it's just been, been unbelievable. Um, so, I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know if we'll, we'll, uh, see that again, you know, he's yeah. probably poised for another, maybe, you know, Walker cup next spring, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. He, um, yeah. I'm, final eight, just final eight in the USAM just lost to the, you know right. what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of my favorite senior amateurs, like I said, I was talking about McCoy and Elliot. Um, you've played a lot of invitationals, USGA championships. I think you're at about 46 or 48 USGA championships on your resume. I'm trying to embarrass you as we're closing things out here. So, um, what, one of the, uh, who is one of the elder statesmen? that is always good for a story that you find yourself gravitating towards at some of these tournaments. And you can't say Napper cause that's, we're going to talk about him next. So can't say Sean Knapp, but when you're at the Coleman or you're at the Crump or you're at a U.S. Mid-Am or, or, or any of these other events, who's a guy that you just always kind of find yourself gravitating towards? Yeah. I think that, well, there's so many, there's so many good guys and good players. And obviously you mentioned, you know, obviously with the captains, with buddy, with, uh, you know, whole graves, um, guys like you just mentioned them, uh, you know, Mike McCoy, Tim Jackson, you know, Gene Elliott's playing great. These, these are guys that, you know, you play, everybody has a story. There's so many, I mean, name, you could, you could name any of them and they've, they've got stories. They've got, you know, everything so I, i've been told uh, i need to get paul simpson on this podcast well yeah paul <laughs> yeah have a glass have a glass of wine with paul and just see where it goes <laughs> and bring the bottle bring the bottle and uh yeah what a great guy is he he definitely yeah he's got all the stories and and, and a great guy great player unbelievable player i mean still playing great you yeah. know he just runnered up to chip lutz at the uh super senior so, unbelievable yeah. unbelievable yeah all good guys so many good guys out there and, and great players another good guy i gotta ask you before i let you go sean Knapp. i mean one of your best friends he was the best man at your wedding he finally racked up a, a usga title he won the 2017 u.s senior am and that guy's got 51 usga appearances now please tell me you were there to celebrate that victory with him in some shape or form well yeah i mean it's it's funny because he uh he was he's you know, first of all, I can't say enough about Sean. Like I said earlier, I mean, here's a guy that, that, you know, I was a lost, probably puppy dog in high school. Uh, and we started playing 36 on the weekend, a small course called St. Jude golf club. 
and uh, he's crazy. I mean, he, he just carries bag for 36 holes. First time I go down there, I thought we'd stop for lunch. No, we just play the whole day. And I'm like, what? I'm going to like dehydrate. I'm going to fall over out here. I mean, this guy's crazy. He doesn't eat. He doesn't drink. He doesn't, you know, and that's a guy that, you know, and at that, at the time, I mean, people probably forget or don't really, you know, Sean, you know, Sean played Tiger back to back, probably final eight to the USAM probably gave Tiger his best, his best match up there. Um, um, trying to, trying to think of the, the, uh, the, the course or whatever, but, uh, you know, I mean, unbelievable player one, almost, you know, how many events is Arnold Palmer in the region, you know, and, and Western PA and different things. Um, and just became a great friend, best man in my wedding. Uh, just, just can't say enough about him and just, you know, I, I don't even remember the question. <laughs> well, I just, I don't even no, remember the question. I don't well, even remember well, the question. I, well, I just went on. Yeah. Well, I just want to know if you were there when oh yeah that's right celebrate. so i had to say all these nice things that we got back to the cedar yeah and i can't even forget where the, that's okay. the question was yeah so i mean he texted me and he'll he's speaking of a talker he'll talk to you you know if he you is, have him on here he, he might actually the next episode after yours oh well, you better go for three hours you better you better bring a i, I don't know what, i have already know? cleared a hard drive i'm also yeah you better you better clear the whole afternoon so we we do the sean's the type of guy you call and if he listens to sean will just talk and you you're on the phone and you're listening to him and everything but you might walk out of the room you might forget you're on the phone with them and i and i love that i said that because he's going to be just shaking his head laughing but he called me the whole week yeah he called me the whole week at the senior am and this and that he gave me all the highlights and um so it's almost like i felt like i was with him and and uh you know he called me after and that's a guy that you see that and it's just you don't realize what a big deal that was to him because i mean there's a guy that was always on the cusp of making walker cup probably should have made a walker cup team probably you know so clay a second in the porter cup uh almost won a sunny hand just this whole medium career all you know played so good so many close things in you know the u.s medium and um and just deserved, um and i know when we won the state team in 09 how much that meant to him but then to go win you know uh, a USJ event, the senior, and, and he was playing uh, so good. And just to have a great friend like that, who's done so much to me, I must feel like he's a, you know, like an older brother, Lo- love him, love him like one. He's been so good, so supportive. And and to see him win was, yeah, to give him a hug and just the whole thing. And, um, you know, he's out there walking, carrying his bag. He's great, you know, no caddy, he's all in. So it's just, it was really cool, really cool to see him. And, and he played so many great players through that bracket you know, as you have to do in any USJ championship. So that was cool to, to share that with him, give him a hug and, and all that, you know, so really, really happy for him, you know, you know, maybe funny. more on the way. So he might have some I, more in him, you know? I know. So. Well, you know, what's funny is that, you know, I saw, I, I saw there's, there's this picture of you two after you guys played against each other in, uh, in 2012 with the US Minium and you won in 19 holes. And I've, I've showed that picture to a handful of people that, you know, they follow golf, but they're they're not experts or, or, or they don't follow the amateur game too closely. And I'm like, take a look at this picture. And uh, and you know what picture I'm talking about. Um, and I'm like, look at this picture. Yeah. And I say, who won? Yeah. And yeah. No one. No one can yeah. consistently say who won. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those. I think be, here's a guy that at that point it was um, I had won it, this. And this is the honest truth. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the so I had won three, and that was at Conway Farms, and that I went on to luckily, you know, somehow win fourth, and and that was I forget what that was, final four, final eight, something like that, and um, 
you know, and it's just one of those, he had been so close and we had played together. Usually what happens is the mid-ams right after Labor Day and it's mid-September. So we, you know, over Labor Day, we'd play like every day. And it was hilarious. Like I'd get in the cart, but he'd walk, you know? So it's almost like, I'd feel like I'd have to give him a bottle of water. And this guy's, you know, what, like 14 years older than me or something. So I, I feel like it's almost like a marathon and I'm like, you know, going alongside him like a bad, bad Rocky montage or something, but he would walk, I'd ride. I couldn't beat him. I couldn't beat him like all fall. He was playing so unbelievable. And I actually thought, you know, he was going to win the uh, mid-am. He was playing um, so well. And, uh, you know, it was an unbelievable match. And and part of you, I mean, I got I to gotta be honest, he's such a good friend. Part of you, and that's maybe the only reason I won, is because part of me was almost rooting for him, you know, because it's like how much he had done for me. And right. he's had so many close, uh, you know, close calls. And, um, you know, and it's like at that point, it's like nobody – wanted me to win my dog and my wife and it's like everybody in the world's rooting for him and he was you know and it just was like even maybe i was and um yeah and it just it just was uh i felt i didn't know what to feel i didn't know what to feel because at that point you kind of knew that you just don't know how many more chance and you don't know if you ever qualify for a u.s medium again or make a run like that and uh that's why also i was so happy he won the you know because he does, you know, because nobody probably deserves a, yeah. a uh, you know, USGA uh, that more than him. And it's know. so interesting listening to you talk about these things because, you know, when, when you, I guess if you buy into what is said on TV, they're like, well, you can't be a great player unless you got a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of a prick in you. You got to be a little bit of an ass, a little bit of, a, you know, you got to be really just a stone cold killer out there. And well, you're, you're really, yeah, yeah. you're, you're really not, you're, you're not selling me on that. You seem, well, I think a, a lot, this is going to sound funny. I think this is the, the way it is in life. When you want think half the time, even in 03, my first one of these other ones, I, once you feel you made match play, I feel like you're playing with house money. Anything okay. from there is fine. And you're like, well, you know what? Half the time is I've been out here for a week. I've got stuff at work. I've got this. I hope this guy goes out and shoots six under today. I play well. And you know what? Whatever. Tip it's, your hat. Let's just tip your hat. Yeah. Nice tip your week. hat. And okay. let's go back. And all of a sudden you're like, that's not happening. All right. Well now I'm in, <laughs> now you're in the finals. Maybe you know, now I guess you might as well, might as well win you know, it. but so, yeah, but it's, it's one of those where you're almost kind of like, yeah, you're playing with house money and maybe half of you and, you know, and that's happened in qualifiers before we were like, well, I really don't want to, you know, I, I don't know if I have time for, to take a you know week off and this and that and, oh, you, you know, and you got in and then, yeah, so it just depends. It just depends on the person, you know, it just depends, you know, and if it, it's just, um, yeah, so I think a lot of that time, I don't think you can, I think for me to be at that level that there's such a, you know, match after match in the bracket, you can't be. I mean, you almost just have to go play with house money and just, it is what it is. And yeah, half the time I'm rooting for the other guy to play well and <laughs> I can exit and get out. You know, I don't know. I, I don't so know. It's so you know, interesting. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And that's probably why a lot of that, you know, and um, you're like, ah, you know, yeah. So I'm probably stopped talking there. So anyway, <laughs> I'm probably going to cut that off. I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't no, know. No, I don't it's know. fine. So, it's just, it's so interesting. Yeah. Cause when you, when I, I've spoken to so many amateurs and professionals and I mean, you know, you said you almost seem apologetic for your, your achievements. 
Well, I <laughs> sorry, I don't, I don't mean to, yeah, I don't I mean to deep, I don't, I don't mean to deep dive here and go psychophile, yeah. but it almost seemed like I'm almost afraid to reel off and talk about your achievements because it makes you uncomfortable. Well, it's 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 strange, and now you got me. I mean, I'm just being honest. I think that, that I think do. that. Well, no, I think that you just. I think that um, I got on that snowballs because I think at times I was. A lot of the guys I played with, I did really like them and I was rooting for them and, and I kind of wanted them to have, uh, you know, I don't know. I kind of wanted them to have the experience. I know that sounds really weird, but not only with Sean, with some other guys and they deserved it. And maybe that's why, you know, if they'd miss a pot, I'd be like, oh, you know, and then, I, okay, well, you know, I don't know. It just was, I don't know. Just being honest. So no, I think that's, that's part of the, you get on that run and you're just, you know, you feel fortunate. Like, well, I did make a couple you know, hey, I did win a couple mid and or Walker Cup, and I kind of want this for. I, I don't know. It's just a strange, and maybe that maybe that helped a little bit, and and whatever. I I don't know. So I've right. said too much. No, I don't you're, know you're doing you're doing fine. <laughs> Hold deep breath. You're doing fine. We're gonna yeah. get we're gonna get you out of here on this one. Um, you know, in in 2012, I, you know, I'll I'll share a story. Um, okay. So there's this there's a Cinderella story out of South Florida in 2012. It was a the U.S. Mid Am qualifier, and it was at Quail Ridge, and it was just one of those you know September or it was August, and it was one of those summer days in South Florida where it's just pouring rain, and uh, and and this guy gets through the U.S. Mid Am qualifier to get into the U.S. Mid-Am at, uh, at Conway Farms in 2012. And, uh, the Cinderella story. Cinderella okay. story. Yeah. I yep. mean, just yep. a no one yep. out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. And he gets there, and um, I'm just curious, does your 2012 U.S. Mid-Amateur win, is that at the top of the list because you beat a field that included me? I mean, well, I mean, you got past me. Now, of course, it – I didn't make it to match player. Anymore. Well, I was going to say, I guess I couldn't root hard enough for you. So I mean, apparently, I mean, but you know, what's funny is yeah. that, is that when I was there in all seriousness, when I was there, it was way well before the podcast started, but, but I'm there and yeah. I knew a little bit about golf history and I knew the, yeah. you know, the names and I'm walking, I can't remember where I was, but I'm walking through the chipping area, whatever. And, um, I'm walking through the chipping area and I look over and holy shit, there's Nathan Smith. And it's like sitting in a chair, looking at your phone or whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, even know how'd you even know who I was? You know, I, well, you know, you know, come on. But, but you know, I probably looked up, looked you up on MySpace or something, but, there you- <laughs> but, but I was like, there's Nathan Smith. And I had no idea that this is the guy that, you know, apparently has this internal struggle with kind of rooting for his friends to share in the same achievements that you've had. Never well, would have known I, that. Yeah, well, I did. I yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, I. But you wanted to beat me I guess that came, week. I guess I, mean, I came you, out that way. But I want you know through that picture, some other people. Yeah, at times. Yeah, it's strange. It's strange. I guess what you feel in the match plays and different things and and. Uh, and I don't know. I guess well, that kind of you know helped you in different things. But yeah, you play. I mean, you know, congratulations on getting there. I don't know why you didn't you didn't say hi or anything. You know, we had, took the eight years later. We had to talk. I know, was so. I was in the other. Uh, I was in in the uh, in the B flight. I was in a different. You're in the B flight. I was. Well, I was if I'm glad I wasn't in your bracket. That's, you know, or whatever. Or just you know, it's, whatever. It's amazing so. that you got through it. Um, I'm I'm glad we're able to to uh, talk and and glad you made the cut to get on the back of the range. I think you you would have been episode one if we could have made it happen. But uh, glad you're here, and I look forward to talking to you in the future. And um, 
thanks for stopping by the back of the range. I can't thank you enough for having me on. This was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just can't thank you enough. Ton, ton of fun. Thanks for having me. And there you have it. Special thanks to Nathan Smith for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, next week I'll be at the East-West Matches. Make sure you're following along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range.